A lot of people want to grab these three commandments and live that way, but you really can't outside of Jesus because Jesus, who he is, has perfectly lived life. Him dying on a cross because we've failed. He died in our place. Him rising again, conquering death. Him coming back and ascending into heaven, seated at God's right hand. All of these things are a response to the finished work of Jesus, his person and work. Our Savior came to die on a cross for us, giving everything so that we could have a full and blessed life. As we ponder this incredible fact during today's message, Pastor Daniel wants us to also realize that we need to respond to it. God has asked in return that we follow him with all we are. We need to keep in constant communication with him, continually leaning into his strength and comfort. By doing so, we'll be able to rejoice and give thanks. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 with part one of his message, Can't Stop, Won't Stop. For each one of us at some point, and I think for a lot of us at numerous points in our lives, you end up asking yourself a simple question, which goes something like this, what is God's will for my life? Right? It's a great question. It's a question that we actually need to ask. And maybe some of you right now need to start asking it right in this moment. You've never really asked the question, what is God's will for my life? I remember for me, this happened. I must have been following Jesus in a solid way for probably about six months. You know, I, I came to know Jesus at the end of college and I was I didn't get saved into a church, and so certain things that I probably should have known I shouldn't be doing took a little time for me to kind of get hit to that I was doing it, and the Spirit of God was convicting me. I didn't have somebody come to me and say, hey, you shouldn't do that, because I didn't really know any Christians, and so, but I remember I really started walking with Jesus, you know, and God was purifying my life. He was was removing things. He was changing things, and I remember one day I said, "I, I wonder what God's will for my life is. You know, and it's an important question because you know what it's like. Have you ever gone on an airplane and you didn't even care what the destination was? You ever do that? No, right? Like you got a plane ticket and it's going to a certain place, right? Because it's like, it's one thing to just be like go flying, but you know, but like you want to know where you're going. If you don't have a destination in mind, who knows where you'll get to? And I think for a lot of us, in the same way, if you don't have a destination in mind, I guess any old route will do. And a lot of people are living that way. There's really no goal in mind. There's no destination. So you just will take whatever road happens next, which will be a good colossal waste of time. Because we were all created with an end in mind. In the Greek, it's the word telos. It's a big concept in the Bible. So what's God's will for my life, Right? That's, you want an end in mind. You want, this is what the goal is. Now, I realize that in saying that, for each one of us, there are kind of what I would consider to be 
universal understanding of what God's will is, that it applies to all of us, no matter who we are, universal human, this is God's will for your life. And then in each one of our lives, there's some specific avenues that God would have, right? Like, so for all of humanity, there's certain universal plans that God has for humanity. And then in each one of our lives, there is very specific understanding of what God's end is. Like, for me, married to Lynn, God has a plan for all husbands, but he does have something specific for me in regards to my bride, Lynn. God has something universal for all parents, but he has something specific for me in regards to my specific children. You know what I mean? In whatever your calling or vocation in life, in whatever you find yourself doing vocationally or with your time, that will give you some specific understandings of this is what God's will is because this is what I'm about. But I wanted to share with you today in this Field Notes series, which I've been having so much fun being a part of, I want to share with you some Field Notes, which are, these are what I would consider to be, this is God's universal will for all of people, for everybody. And so by sharing it in a universal sense, I think each one of you is going to be able to, by the power of the Spirit, be able to apply it specifically to your own life. So in order to do that, I want you to open up in your Bibles to Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5. So 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5. Those of you online, don't forget, open up another browser window, type in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 18. You can get it there. Then you might be like, okay, this is a big book. Where's 1 Thessalonians? Okay, it's towards the end of your Bible. In the New Testament, it's in Paul's letters. And 1 Thessalonians is right in between the book of Colossians, and 2 Thessalonians. So if you hit Hebrews or Revelation, turn left, keep going left, and you have 1 and 2 Thessalonians. If you have 2 Thessalonians, you've got to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's the last chapter in the book. i got three verses for you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, picking up in verse 16, says this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I'm going to read those verses again. Aren't they great? 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, I think this is a great field note, isn't it? Don't miss that very last line. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's why I could be able to say, if you want to know what God's will for your life is, this is three universal commands or imperatives. That's in the Greek. It's in the imperative mood, which really means this is a commandment. Really, it's a response to what God is doing. Because God is doing this, because of who Jesus is, we simply respond to who Jesus is by doing these three imperatives. One in verse 16, one in verse 17, and one in verse 18. But notice this, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It doesn't say it might be, or if you're lucky, it's going to be for you. No, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, so you can take this thing to the bank. This is God's will for your life. This is a universal understanding for all of humanity. This is God's will for you. Now, notice, this is God's will in Christ Jesus for you. Now, this is important because we live in a day and age where people want to divorce 
some of these concepts from Jesus and they want to run it out there like, this is the way to live life, but this is God's will in Christ Jesus. It's about who Jesus is and what he's done. See, you can try and do these three things, divorce from Jesus, but I'm here to tell you it's a fool's errand because it absolutely has no foundation. A lot of people want to grab these three commandments and live that way, but you really can't outside of Jesus because Jesus, who he is, has perfectly lived life. Him dying on a cross because we've failed. He died in our place. Him rising again, conquering death. Him coming back and ascending into heaven, seated at God's right hand. All of these things are a response to the finished work of Jesus, his person and work. People are going to try and divorce it. Some of you even right now are trying to divorce these concepts from Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, you can try, but it will never work. Because you really can't unless Jesus is real. You really can't do these three things. This is God's will in Christ. So you have to ask yourself, first and foremost, are you in Christ? Are you in Christ under his authority? Are you abiding in the vine that is Christ. If you're saying yes, then ask yourself, are you living in such a way that proves that you're abiding in Jesus? You gotta ask that question because I've been around the church long enough to see people who believe in Jesus and say, I'm in Christ, they're acting like they don't. They're situationally choosing to act in ways that do not line up with the express and revealed and purposes and plans of God. And I would say to you that maybe you believe in Jesus, but if you're not following and you're not abiding and your life is not reflecting that, then maybe it ain't so, Joe. Because God's word, we don't get saved by works, we get saved under works. And so when we start using Jesus' name as a way to wiggle out of the hard things in our life, if we're going to use our faith in Jesus and God's grace to be a jerk, then that's not a good thing. That betrays who Jesus is. And it's a terrible witness to say you're in Christ and not a nice person. To say that you're in Christ and you're willing to walk outside of things you know Jesus speaks on, that gives you his glory. That's a problem. So are you in Christ today? Now, anytime I hear something like that, in my heart, I start repenting. I start turning back to God because I've been walking with Jesus long enough to know that there's not a day that goes by that I don't need to repent There's not a day that goes by that I don't need to acknowledge something that I've been failing at, something that I've not been tending to, something that I've allowed to fester, or some actions that I find myself involved in that brought under the authority of Jesus all of a sudden, and I get convicted, which proves that you're God's kid. And I pray that that was you, that when I said that, you didn't say, of course I'm a Christian, I've been a Christian, I've been a crossroads for 36 years, you know? But you said, no, 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 no. Is it I, Lord? Right, don't you love that when the disciples, Jesus said, one of you will betray me. It was only in the heart of one guy, Judas. They all said, is it I, Lord? Judas was the only guy who had some schemes against Jesus, but all of them were like, Lord, is it me? Am I the one? Is it I, Lord? And that's a teachable spirit, isn't it? They all say, Lord, is it me? Be it, my friends. And if you're not in Christ, then turn back to him right now. He's been waiting for you to do it anyway. He knows you're not abiding in him right now. You're abiding in your own stuff. He's been waiting for you. So just turn back to him. Just turn back to him. Now, first, this is God's will in Christ for you. That's the first thing. Now, second thing, I want you to notice in verse 15, or verse 16, verse 17, or 18, you have a similar theme. Look what it says. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, 
in everything give thanks. Notice the always, without ceasing, and in everything. This speaks of the fact that each one of us is called to do these things all the time. Always, without ceasing means what? Always, and everything implies what? Always. And always literally means what? Always. You guys are so deep. Praise God. It's like you get it. It's like the Bible is that simple. Always mean in always. Right? So you got to love how universal this is now. These three things to do, this God's will, this is not something you do every once in a while. This is an always in every single way, at every single time, without ceasing and in everything. This is what we got here. Now notice the first one. Rejoice always. Now I wanted to make that the point, but our communications team wouldn't let me. I just knew they wouldn't. So for rejoice always, I want you to do this. I want you to have joy abounding. Joy abounding. It just keeps coming out of you. Because of who Jesus is, joy is a human response to the finished work of Jesus. Why? Because God's love is so powerful. God's redemption is so amazing. The fact that Jesus Christ would come on a rescue mission for me is so absolutely mind-blowing that the only proper human response is joy. I'll never forget this, but I was at the Portland-Golden State game in the middle of the season. And we're at that game, and that was the game when Damian Lindler dropped 51 points. And Steph Curry didn't even get off the bench in the fourth quarter because their trailblazers were blowing him out. That game was so crazy at the Moda Center that literally the guy who takes the half-court shot for the free Toyota, he got nothing but net too. It was like one of those days, right? And I looked at Ryan because that was my first Blazer game that I'd gone to. And he's, I'm like, is it always like this? He's like, no, no, it's never like this. You know? And then he said, you can come with me to the games anytime you want, you know? And I was like, right on, you know? But it's like the amount of joy in response to a game. The amount of joy that we get in response to all these things. See, see, oftentimes joy, it's a response to something that we're experiencing. And I'm here to tell you that if you understand who you are in Christ and what Jesus has done for you, then joy is going to come. Because that's the only proper response to so great a salvation. And I think the reason some of us, if you're here right now and you don't really feel like you have joy, it's because you're neglecting meditating on so great a salvation. You're allowing your heart to meditate on all the cares of the world and they're real. And all the struggles of life and those things are real too. But when you bring it back down and you get your eyes focused on the finished work and who Jesus is and what he has done for you and what he is doing in the world right now, joy is going to well up and overflow in your heart. It's going to abound out of your life. But do you have joy today? I feel like every day I'm like, Lord, you need to like kind of get me blinders and stick my eyes on Jesus. Because left up to my own devices, I'm going to freak out about a million real things that go on every single day. Concerns about yesterday, concerns about tomorrow, family struggle. I mean, all that stuff is really real. Health concerns, all these things, extended family concerns. And, you know, some of you, you know, get stressed out about trying to plan a vacation or whatever. It's just the world is full of stress and we need to get our hearts focused on Jesus. And when your heart is focused on who the Lord is and what he has done, then joy. It's a fruit of the Spirit. 
But all the fruit of the Spirit is us responding to the Spirit and saying yes. You realize that, right? The fruit of the Spirit in your life comes from us responding to the prompts of the Spirit with an affirmative, with a yes, Lord. It's not like you believe in Jesus and the Spirit of God dwells in you, but love isn't blossoming in your heart because the Spirit isn't love. It's because we don't respond with, all right, Lord, let's do this. And I think some of us are so used to being stressed that we're scared of abounding joy, which is the greatest tragedy, isn't it? You were created for God's joy, which is your strength to flow through your life. And it will flow through different. It doesn't mean you got to be like happy, happy, joy, joy, big smiley teeth, face, you know? But joy should be a characteristic of who we are. I mean, the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4.4 to the church of Philippi said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say what? Rejoice. Yeah, it's good. Are you rejoicing? Now, don't miss this. In the early church, their joy came in the midst of the most averse circumstances you could ever imagine. That's what makes their joy unique. That in the midst, I mean, they were persecuted by Jewish leaders and they were persecuted by Roman leaders. And literally for the first 300 years of Christianity, Christianity was systematically and brutally oppressed, right? Like long before it became the religion of the Roman Empire, it was the object of that same empire's anger. And what makes the unique quality of a believer's joy is that it can blossom in the midst of adversity. See, we have a tendency to think, when things are good, I'll be happy, and when things aren't good, I'm going to be miserable, and it's my God-given right to be miserable. And I would say, contraire, mon frere. Because God's joy blossoms in the most averse of circumstances. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount literally said, blessed are you when they persecute you, and when they revive, blessed are you, he said. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, he said, for great is your reward in heaven. We never would think that way because we don't think with the mind of Christ. I'm here to tell you, my friends, Jesus' work at the cross is finished. And no matter what mess is going on, there is joy in his presence. Don't get me wrong, I get that it's hard to find it sometimes. I get that it's hard to uncover it, but if we were to say, Lord, I know that there is joy in your presence because the work is finished, will you cultivate joy in me? I believe the Lord will do an amazing work in you today. An amazing work in you today. So we want this joy abounding. We want to rejoice always. Now look at the next one, verse 17. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. I'm going to call this always connected. Because prayer is the word that we use for the conversation that God has initiated with us in Christ. And you know that when you're conversing with someone, there's a connection there, right? See, prayer is the umbilical cord that we get to have in our relationship with God. And when it says pray without ceasing, the idea of this, it's this continual prayer. It's this ongoing reminder that God's children are always and wholly dependent upon him. I just had this, it was just so beautiful. So our little Annabelle's been sick. I don't know if you guys got sick kids. We definitely got sick Fusco's at my house, right? And little Annabelle, she's been mushy. That's what we call them when she's sick. She's a little mushy, 
You know, I mean, she just sits on your lap. She's not, she's not crazy, which is a beautiful thing, but she's sick, so you feel bad, you know? But then she started to feel better, and guess what? Annabelle, just, she'll, she'll talk your ear off. Now, you have no clue what she's saying because she's not there yet. Like, she's not enunciating words, but we get some stuff, you know? But she'll talk your ear off, and as a parent, I just love that. And I just take videos of it. I'm going to show it on their wedding day anyway for fun, but that's just me, you know? It's like I got all the dirt. I got catalogs of dirt for my kids. It's so fun, you know? But I love it when my kids talk to me. I think it's the coolest thing. And Annabelle with her little jabber, you know, I don't even have a clue what she's saying, but she's cute, you know, and it's great. And that's what God wants for us. God wants us to be in continual conversation with him. Now, I think that this is super important. Because continual prayer is not the same thing as always being in a perpetual quiet time. You know what I mean? Like, there's something to be said for your prayer closet. And I would never, Jesus said we should go in our prayer closet, so brothers and sisters, we need to go in our prayer closets. We need to seek the Lord. But having a heart that is in continual communion with God. Like, you know when someone's walking in the spirit because you'll be talking to them and all of a sudden they'll be praying and then you'll be talking to them again and they'll be praying and you'll be praying, right? It's like, it's not like, okay, we're gonna stop and pray now. It's like all of a sudden prayer just starts because even when you're having a conversation with someone, you could be saying, oh, Lord, you are good and I praise you, Lord. You have a plan in this, in this conversation. Is there something that you wanna do right here, right now? Lord, is there something you wanna reveal to me that I can speak a word to this person? But for many of us, we divorce Jesus from the conversations that we're having, the circumstances that we're having. See, prayer becomes, it's a wartime walkie-talkie. We get marching orders from the captain of the army. But know what I think? I think a lot of us aren't spending any time in prayer. Not in the prayer closet and not when we're walking around either. Listen, you want to be better on your job? Have a heart disposition of prayer. When you're there, when you're in the car, turn off the political talk radio. It's only aggravating you anyway. It's not causing rejoicing, I'm telling you. I've been listening in, man. I know what's going on. It's like it says in Philippians 4, 8, whatever things are, are praiseworthy, politics in America is not praiseworthy, my friends. Please vote. I'm not knocking voting. I always tell you, search your Bibles, vote based on your own conscience and, and the heart of the Lord. But that stuff's robbing your joy, and you know it is, isn't it? Can we just be honest? That stuff is a joy killer. You know why? Because it's not centered on Jesus. It's not centered on Jesus. And the only way all these people make money is to be more upset and aggressive. That's how they make money. The more absurd it is, the more people click on it. It's called clickbait on the internet. But instead of doing that, just shut the radio off and say, oh, Lord, you're here with me right now. I want to walk in with you today. Lord, all the people I just met, all these people who are driving by me, Lord, we bless them. We bless their families. Lord, what are you doing in me? Lord, what do you want to do for my husband and my spouse? What are you doing in the life of my kids? Lord, what ministry do you have for me? Lord, you want to tell me something, Lord? Because, you know, sometimes we forget that God wants to say some stuff too, you know. But we want to walk through life with this connection that always is happening. And it's something that I believe we need to cultivate intentionally on our end. Because you know what the beauty is? God is always there to talk with us. God is always with us. Never like you have to wake God up to get him to hear your prayers. He's always there. Whenever we turn our hearts to God, is he ever not there? He's always there. Jesus is real. 
Pastor Daniel explored in today's message the need for us to remain continually rooted in communication with God. It's sometimes hard to feel like we're communicating with Him, but His steadfastness is something we can rely on with complete certainty. Through our communication with Him, we'll be able to rejoice even when circumstances seem impossibly hard and learn to be thankful in everything. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. One of the things that I'm the most stoked about is that this year we launched a brand new campus in Southwest Portland. We would love to invite everyone to come and join Crossroads Southwest Portland on Sundays at 10 a.m. We're growing, and honestly, not just in Southwest Portland, but all over the country and the world as people join us at our online campus, 9, 11, and 1 p.m. or Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. on our online campus, crossroadslive.tv. Now here's Josh with what's coming up on our next edition of Jesus is Real Radio. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel continues to talk with us about the need to continually rejoice, pray, and give thanks passage in 1 Thessalonians that we will study gives us insight into how this is done and how staying in God's presence is a key to doing all three. Just as Jesus consistently gives us strength and comfort, we need to consistently and continually reach for Him. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.